wants to jump. 1,000 cars. Sir, you have a 1,000 cars. I don't think I'd attempt to try this stunt. Or we, we, we owe this horsepower to Uncle Sam. <laughs> Too many cars. Car. You know, roses would be... Uh... Like, I put my beer belly on it. Yeah. And you can't immediately tell somebody how many cars you have. You'll really give those uppity yuppies something to think about. Stay on the bar. Don't go yeah. off the bar with your Bronco. 1980 Volvo horns, what's right? Like, me, me. Yeah, the man's coolant. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I thought it'd be small. It's for a small car. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's still an automatic transmission. They're never going to be light. It's definitely going to have to crash. Starting off with Brad buying another car. That's the West. <laughs> Internet. You know, is this a Nigerian oil print? Uh, I also wish you drove a tan Camry. Anyways, anyway, that, that's har- a horrible, very horrible podcast content. Very inside joke. Hey, welcome back to Auto Off Topic. Hi, Brad. How are you? Good afternoon, Andrew. How are you today? I'm doing great. They are fun I think story. I to, yeah, I was just coming home from work. Yeah, I so one fault of the 944, which I was Uh-oh. driving today, is no, no, no. It's not a big deal. It's been a fault since I bought it. It's it's a it's an own thing. I just had to probably. Let's get into the problem first. So the car's fuel gauge is, we'll call it erratic. So when it's full, it goes to like three quarter and just sits there until it hits three quarter. And then it drops to a half and it like bounces in between a half and three quarter the whole time. And then at each point, it does the same thing. When it goes to a quarter, it bounces between a quarter and a half, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm sure... There's some kind of the float has an issue or there's some dirty connection somewhere. It's just I haven't gotten like too deep in to fix it because it's not that big a deal. But it is a big deal, but it isn't a big deal. So I was driving home from work and when I left this morning for work, it was fluttering between a quarter and a half. So I said, well, I know I'm somewhere between a quarter and a half. So that's enough to make it to work. So when I leave work, I will fill on the way home. It's only like 15 miles. So I left work, took a left onto the main drag, I had to go home, and all of a sudden the fuel tank was fluttering between empty and less than empty. With like zero warning, which was weird. So I had a panic moment where I was like, well, I hope I have enough fuel to make it to the gas station. Uh, Spoiler alert, I did, but I got to the gas station, which was a Circle K, now, generally, I avoid Circle Ks. Um, they're not—they're mm. not my favorite gas station. Um, the car runs on regular gas; it does not require premium, so it's not too big of a deal because at least the 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 tanks there for the regular gas are pretty good. And this will actually roll into your story later because it probably wasn't bad gas your whole time either. So, I get the few. I pull in. You know, I had the radio going, I had the windows down because it's like 65 degrees out, 70 degrees out. It's a beautiful day. Rolling in, turn the car off, and I hear the speaker on the pump, like, pumping out this, like, high-energy ad about a police dog, dog show coming up and how to get your tickets. I'm like, oh, that's pretty loud, but I know I can turn that off. So I get out of the car, go to the pump, and the ad is screaming at you, and it's the same ad on repeat, and it's only 15 seconds long. And it's repeat, 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 repeat. 
Now, obviously, you know, on most gas pumps, you can push the second from top button on the right next to the screen, and it will usually mute your pump. Yep. So it did. I do it all the problem time. was, I was the only one at this gas station, and there were eight pumps, and they were all playing the same 15-second ad at full volume on repeat, and they were all off by, like, two seconds. So I was in this, like, super annoying echo chamber of this music and words, and it, none of it was making any sense, and I'm pumping the gas, and the gas is going really slow, and the one other guy at the gas station was, like, on the other side of my pump, and he just started, like... He like just turned to me and he goes, what the F is going on? I'm stopping this pump right here. I can't wait any longer. I'm done. I'm leaving. And I was like, honestly, dude, I'm right behind you. So I put like $28 in the car and just left. I couldn't handle it anymore. <laughs> the gas station was really messing with me today. It was uh, an experience I've never had before. So stay away from the Circle K on Bell Road and Tatum if you're in Phoenix. Okay. <laughs> God, what an awful, awful experience. I've never been more annoyed at a gas station in my life. But anyway, that's just a, a nonsense well, story to start the day with. Well, we're talking about local infrastructure. They are paving my street, which I think I talked about the other weekend because it's it's making everything. Yeah, we talked about how dirty, dirty your car was when you went to. Everything is disgustingly dirty outside of my house. With just Luckily, it's been raining, so it's been keeping the dust down. But the uh, it's... So they had ground they ground down the road surface like a week and a half ago. And then it wasn't until last Friday they went along and raised all the castings and were like filling stuff in. So they're clearly getting ready to pave. I don't know when, but now the castings are raised. And just tonight, in the hour and a half after we got home from work, uh, I saw two cars lose tires. Just okay. like we pulled in the driveway. We're out of the car. I hear. This car is like pulling by our house. I'm like, oh boy. And then like randomly I had to take Enzo out again because he didn't do his business earlier. So I took him out before I came down here to do the podcast. And I hear. Again. <laughs> Jesus. Awesome. <laughs> like, So I can only imagine like during the day if that was like. Like, like, what's the total we're up to here? Because it was definitely at least, I personally saw probably four or five over the weekend. I think you're missing an opportunity here. <laughs> to sell tires or, you or sit, sell the you use of my jack. Up, yeah, you should just sit out front with a jack and your impact and just, be, you know, after the person pulls over and gets out, just hit the impact like, vroom, vroom, like twice, <laughs> just so they see you standing there and they know that you're ready to help them out. That would be the way. I mean, they must be getting complaints because the other day, like there were there wasn't cones, and now there's cones on them, and because like, there's there's like two castings in the direction going by my house that are like close together, and if you don't nail it just right, thread the needle, you're catching your tire and pinching the rim or whatever of the sure. wheel, and it's like a <laughs> and there was a hubcap in front of my house the other morning. I I was like. I left it for a couple of days. I was like, maybe they'll come back for it because it was like a Honda hubcap. It's probably like a hundred bucks and it wasn't like broken. They probably threw it yeah, in my yard as in anger. Yeah, they're, they're not they're not cheap, I'm sure. Probably. So if, if, if they haven't came changed much in the past few years, they're like $65. Yeah, I don't know. Nobody came back for it. So I just, it was a trash day. I was like, well, I'm not leaving this here. So I threw it on top of the trash bag. It wasn't a cool awesome. hubcap to keep. 
So awesome. anyway, yeah, I'm telling you, you can make you can make a few bucks sitting there and uh, fixing some tires for some people. That people probably think you did it yourself and it's all your fault. But are these castings painted orange at all, or are they just kind of there? They finally did that Sunday morning. Well, and they've got a big light up sign that says "Raised Castings." Well, we're recording on Monday, so that means that it's still happening. People are still hitting them. So yeah, well, some people that's will not do ideal. like. They'll continue to do like 65 down the street. Sure. And nothing will happen to them. And then these other people are like crawling by and blowing tires out. So I don't know what to tell you. It's all about, uh, just all about speed. Just kind of like when you're out in the whoops and like a side by side, you just go faster and it smooths out. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, we we're talking about bad gas, which is not a thing, I don't think. I think it's a fake thing. I haven't heard of anybody getting bad gas in a very long time. No, no, I've heard I had a bad diesel story not too long ago, but um, yeah, because I brought the check engine light came on again in the Volkswagen. So I was looking back through my photos of my phone. It came on like in the spring. And then the last time it came on, it was right before I drove it out to Phoenix. It was like August 16th was the picture. And then it didn't do anything for like a while until like the last week we were there. It was coming on almost every day. So I, you know, we got the car home and it was running fine other than that light. I brought it to the dealer. I talked about they did the injector. Then it came back on again. Then they told me again it was bad gas. I'm like, really? I'm like, because I drove across the country and I got gas everywhere at name brand gas stations. Premium gas. How is that statistically possible that I got bad gas at every gas station? Um, I don't think it is. And then he's like, well, it could be with like the changer of the seasons. And I'm like, I was in Phoenix, sir. And they don't have winter blend. Yeah, we, we might have a summer-winter difference because it's 100 and something degrees in the summertime. I don't know. I bet you don't. I, I haven't... I, do, I don't know enough to say yes or no, but there is a big enough difference in temperature. Like, it was actually like 48 degrees last night. And it's yeah. sometimes 120 degrees. So Yeah, but I bet you still don't have a winter blend because that doesn't happen often enough. Not like here. Right. It just doesn't track, and uh, they gave me some story of him, like, looking at it with a computer and seeing, like, multiple misfires per RPMs, and I'm like, wouldn't the car run like ass? Like, it would it would run horrible. It's, it's only on startup. It's clearly something to do with cold start and what it's trying to do. Like, either that or it's got a bad valve or there's, like, internal em- engine damage, which... Also doesn't track because it doesn't use any oil and it doesn't run poorly. Yeah. Otherwise no, it's gotta be so. an injector. It can't be anything else. Well they already did the injector. It's gotta be another and injector. They, and they said they moved the coil and it stayed there. So I don't know what it is. But it's a gremlin. It's off now. I haven't started the car in a while. Because the road's been so bad, I'm like, well let me just drive my truck, because I haven't driven it in a while. Montero. Right. So we'll see if it but comes I, back. I have on. this brand new car, but it doesn't run very good. Let me drive my 1990. I know it's Montero. Incredibly annoying because the yeah. whole point of that car is that 
I've done nothing to it and it's supposed to just work for quite a while until I have to do like maintenance to it. Yeah, that's super frustrating. I don't I don't I don't like that at all. I don't understand it. You know, I've I've heard of people having electrical issues with Volkswagens in the past. Um, yeah. I've owned many Volkswagens, all when they were fairly new. I had like an O one A four in like what, O three, O four. Yeah. I had an O two Golf had like 0405. Under, you had a lot that had under 100K, so. Yeah, I had a lot of fairly new Volkswagens. My most recent 13 Jetta only had 30-something thousand miles out when I got it. There was never an issue with any of them. They ran, I mean, we all heard the, there were two minor issues with the Jetta, but they weren't related to something electrical and weird. There were mechanical problems that were repaired without much incident. Like, I, I don't, I've never... It makes me feel bad that this is your first Volkswagen product and you're having this disaster of a time with it. It's, I mean, I guess it's yeah. not a disaster of a time. It hasn't broken down and left you no. stranded. It's just a, a minor inconvenience, but it's still but an, it is an annoying. It is an annoying thing because if I need to get a sticker on it, it won't get a sticker. Especially if it hasn't passed, like, it's been, yeah, because it's going to keep in the memory, right? So Yeah, if it goes long enough, it'll reset readiness, but, you know, oh. I don't know. It's... It's pretty annoying. Um, yeah, that's so we'll frustrating. See. And it's maybe it's time to try a different dealership. Not to be like. Well, what I'm gonna do is if it comes on again, then I'm gonna call Volkswagen Customer Affairs and be like, "Listen, sure. what do you want me to do? They keep telling me this. I don't agree with them. They're not fixing the car. Where should I take it?" Yep. And you open a case with them because I used to deal with this at Infinity and Mitsubishi too. If you. Sure. We would fix other people's car, like other dealerships' cars that didn't want to fix stuff. That would happen too, because we, I well, because the the Mitsu dealer that we had, you and I had worked at at different times was like the biggest one in New England. Yep. So you'd end up with uh, problem cars would go there, and the same with the Infinity dealer. But anyway, uh, it's just kind of an annoying, silly thing, but. Yeah, no, it's, it's very frustrating. I'd be super frustrated if it was a new car. I mean, look at how frustrated I am on my Eclipse, and that's, you know, a sub-$5,000 car. Oh, like, see, I can't imagine it on a brand-new car. I'd be less annoyed if it was, like, a 2009 car I bought and it had 130,000 miles on it. I'm like, yeah, yeah I and that's, your, I and that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm, I'm already annoyed, and the Eclipse is, you know, a 160,000-mile car. It's 1993. Like, I'm not... I'm annoyed, yeah. but it is what it is, an old car. I can't imagine how perturbed I'd be if I had this car that I bought brand new two years ago and haven't even driven it that much. <laughs> was having well, that problem. It's, it's more annoying because I can't touch it. I don't want to touch right. it. Because if I touch it, right. then it's on me. Yeah, I'm like, no, yeah, I can well probably figure it, it out and fix it myself, but I'm not going to. That's like last, last resort. Because I, I also can't replace it because there's nothing to replace it with. Yeah, it's weird. But yeah, anyway, uh, what else did I? What was I gonna? Where was I going with that? Say so that that's being kind of funky. Um, gosh, I had something else that was in my brain and it just left. Gosh darn it! I'm talking about the Volkswagen. Checking the lights on. Um, what else I've been driving around? Yeah, I've been driving the truck around. Had gas. Nope. Totally. Uh, gone it's out of my brain anyway the um oh the galant i did figure out okay we we're talking yeah, about let's move on to your project car stuff yeah we'd um, go, go in reverse last we heard 
Yes. So remember I got that nice battery tray that was not too rusty from the junkyard? I do. I, I didn't realize when I put it in, it was a little tight, but I thought it was because it was bumping into the um, fan shroud. It was actually, it has a little extra bracket on it that the other one doesn't have. And it was touching the intake tube from the intercooler and it was pushing that intercooler pipe into the shifter cables. Interesting. So really, once I took the battery out, it, it took me 10, 15 minutes to fix it. So I could have fixed it that night. I just was, I was just too tired. <laughs> just couldn't think like how to do it. You know how that happens sometimes. You're just like out of ability to rationalize the problem. Yeah, no, well, you're just tired from the whole day. You think you're almost done, you're ready to leave, and then you're just like, ah, I can't handle this right now. You throw your yeah. arms up in disgust and walk away. We yeah, because I probably would have broke something, so I just left it. Yeah, you would, you would have been you would have been aggressively taking things apart. You know, we've 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 all been there. It, it, sometimes it's best to step back, step back, step back, step back, and come back at it with a fresh attitude about it because. I mean, listen, that's one of the things you learn as you as you grow up and mature, right? You understand that nothing is perfect and sometimes things don't work out the way they want them to and you just need to come back at it with a better attitude. <laughs> and again, we're talking about a 1991 car, so it's fine. It's going to have issues. Yeah. I'm surprised that that piece was different. What was the bracket for, do you know? It might hold another different pipe that the non-turbo had or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's strange because we didn't take anything out of the way to yeah. take it out that was different. Yeah. I don't know. Strange. Oh, I, I know where I was going with the newer cars. Stephanie's car, the Crosstrek, is approaching 50,000 miles. That okay. car is actually out of warranty now. It's been out of warranty sure. for a couple of years. So, the maybe I talked about it. The front strut tops? Rusting. Yep. They are rusting. There is a, not a recall, just a TSB. The rubber caps uh, somehow let water into the steel strut top, and it just sits in there like a puddle. And in fact, it's been raining. I need to go out and check and see if there's water in them because I left the caps off so it would at least dry out. Right. Uh, So the tops look like the Titanic. Um, So that's cool. and their TSB is like, oh, scrape them off and paint them. I'm like, yeah, that's not going to work for me. Well, I would I would get some rust mort, soak it in rust mort, and uh, scuff it down, throw some paint on it, and throw some, like, axle grease in there or something. Well, here's the thing. It's got – it's basically due for struts, right, the 50,000 okay. miles. Sure. I'm just going to buy new ones and throw new struts in it. <laughs> okay. That's fair enough. And the crazy thing is I went – I was like, man, I don't even know what – OEM shocks cost. That's usually my go-to, but let's see what, what Rock Auto has for for prices. So I go on Rock Auto, and unbelievably, I'm surprised because they never sold these for like GD body impresses. <clears throat> you can buy Bilstein V6s, so yellow Bilstein struts. Oh, okay, those are good ones. And they're the fronts are 130 bucks each, and the rears are like 105. I was like, that's pretty bucks cheap. Almost. Yeah, that's reasonable. Could, because I bet factory ones are like two fifty. Yeah, at least. And at so least it, that should ride a lot better, actually, with the Bill Steins. The weird thing, yeah, and they'll probably that, last longer than fifty k too. 
Yeah, the weird thing is that, so the rears are identical left and right, so that's cool. The fronts are specific left and right. The left and the two rears were available, and they're being shipped to me. The right is like on back order. That's annoying. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know when the right's going to show up. I got it on a So is, re- is replacing that going to solve the issue of them rusting, or are you going to have to do some preventative So you have to... Coating. They have new caps that apparently keep the water out. Okay. So I'll replace the... I'll buy whatever these new version of the part number is. I'll buy the steel mounts. I'll probably buy the rubber pieces. And I'll just... Yeah, that's actually... That's even better because then... Well, no, I still need to take the struts apart because I need the springs. But the way these look right now, if I hit the top of the strut with an impact, uh, it looks like it would snap the top of the strut off because it's so rusty. So, yeah, I, if you weren't replacing them, I think that it'd be cool to experiment with some rust mort. That's fun and see what, what they kind of come out looking like. But if you're going to replace them, just replace them. And maybe even with the new design, I'd I'm still gonna fill, fill them with some oil. grease in there. Oh, grease, yeah. yeah. I'm going to fill them with like yeah. fluid film or whatever. It makes sense, especially being in New England. So, yeah. I mean, that car is what, four years old now? 2018. Okay. So, yeah, almost five years old. Yeah. So, 50,000 miles on it. It's doing pretty well otherwise. Yeah, I've I've always liked the car. It's a fun car with a stick. So I had uh I had that automatic one as a loaner car for like a month that it was terrible, but your car's way more fun. <laughs> so awesome. Yes, yeah, so that's where I was going with that. So I have a few updates. Yeah. If you want to jump right into that. Yeah, go for it. Oh, uh, let's start with the big one. A car that I said I probably would never sell till I got it running. Uh, an opportunity arose, and I did some actual thought and math about the car, and uh, it's it's been sold. So I think I kind of alluded to it that it might be happening last episode, but the my white Gallant VR4 is uh, no longer my white Gallant VR4. So, unfortunately, oh. it's not going to get finished in, in my uh, in my ownership here, but that's okay. So, you want to do the quick breakdown of some math real quick here? Go for it. This is why I did what I did. I've been, it's kind of been my white whale of a car. Like, I was like, I really want to finish that project. It kind of bridges the gap between my old kind of chaotic past life with everything else that was going on in my life and my new much better calmer life it was kind of in the middle of both things when that car came into existence it was near the end of of that life and near the beginning of this life and for anybody who doesn't know that story i'll bear you the gritty details right i'll 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 save you the gritty details right now and uh you're more than welcome to talk to me about it over a beer sometime but Anyway, it was a, a big, a big change in my life. And one of the things that happened was during that time, I had bought this Gallant. Uh, I think my total investment in the car is somewhere around $5,000, probably all said and done. Between buying the car, registering the car, exploding the car, and buying some replacement parts. Uh, thankfully, the gentleman who sold me the car was uh, our good friend and former guest, Jeremy. He felt really bad because the car blew up two days after my buying it. 
So he actually bought some of the parts as well. He bought me a replacement engine. And had I known how ridiculous life was going to get, I might have just swapped that in, <laughs> condition unknown, and driven it. But I didn't. So our plan, obviously, on day one was to rebuild an engine and make it fresh and brand new, if you remember that. I think we probably talked about it on podcast because we were podcasting when I bought the car, I think, correct? We must have been. Or I think probably, so. Yeah, or maybe pretty early on. So I think it was probably... Was either 15 or uh, 16, must have been 2016 I bought the car, based on timeline of life. So anyway, I bought the car, it lasted two days, and it started knocking. Through no fault of Jeremy, he did not have an issue in building the car, it wasn't him. Uh, The engine was unknown. He had built a fresh head and put it on a block of what looks to be good, but hey, nobody knows until you start running the car, right? So it spun a bearing on like my third or fourth time driving it. Unfortunately, I was gung-ho to build that new engine that he provided for us. And I tore it down. I had all the machine work done, if you remember. Uh, your father helped out in bringing it down to his friend that owned a machine shop at the time. So we had all the machine work done. Everything was all ready to put together. It was just time and a little bit of extra money required for some parts. I think I wanted to put new pistons in to make sure everything matched up right. And just we never really got around to doing it the right way. So it never happened. So we're going to round my full investment up to about 5000 bucks. That's about where we're at. Car's been sitting here, there, and everywhere since 2016. Uh, the last couple of years has been sitting outside. And that's not obviously ideal for a car. So I'm kind of at the point where I was like, well, I really need to do something with this car because if it sits outside much longer, it's going to go beyond the point of being repairable anymore and it's going to wind up being trash. You know, the whole, I'll get to it someday and then the car winds up being junked 30 years later. I needed to make sure that didn't happen with this car. So I was trying to find a way to make something work in my life and get this car repaired. So I started doing some math and in order to get this car shipped from Boston, to here as a non-runner and include all the parts I would need to do it would require both a transport truck that's willing to ship a car that does not run and also a box truck to ship the rest of the stuff that's not in the car. So I don't have these things or access to these things and the grand total ship everything would be about $3,000. So now at this point I'll have $3,000 wrapped up on top of $5,000 to get the car here to Phoenix. And then once the car is here in Phoenix, I'll still have a car that does not run with a total investment of $8,000. Now, I don't know the Gallant market great right now, but I'm pretty sure for $8,000, I could probably buy a running car, right? So yeah, probably buy a running car for eight grand. Yeah, probably. So I decided that when, and I did not put it on the market, a friend called or texted or messaged or whatever, uh, a friend that is a friend of both yours and mine, he was actually present when I went to pick up the engine parts and stuff for the car. And maybe even the day we bought the car, I don't remember. Was he there with us? He might have been. He was. was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. So is he, I think he was. So unfortunately, um, I'm not going to fix it, but... 
said good friend asked me if I'd be willing to sell the car for a price that we had talked about in the past. I said, sure. So I'm letting the car go at a loss, unfortunately, but the car is broken. I bought it running, so I have to understand that that's going to be a thing. That it was at a, at a loss, not a huge loss, but a big enough loss, but also not spending another three grand just to transport a broken car. So the current owner of the car is our friend Brad. Uh, he has owned, yeah, another Brad. Too many Brads. Too many Jordans, too many Brads in our world, right? Um, he has owned a Gallant VF4 in the past. He always wanted another one. His vision for the car is the same as Jeremy's, who I bought it from, and my vision. And, you know, anybody like it's in our circle of friends has the same vision for this car. And it's to make it a nice, drivable street car that's mostly a stock restoration. Uh, Brad just had a child, Oscar. Congratulations to them. And he was looking for something that he could build as like, I don't know, kind of an event car that he could take his kid with because he has a drag race Gallant and a Miata. Sorry, a drag race Eclipse and a Miata, neither of which is child seat friendly. So, yeah, essentially a clone of my car. Basically a clone of your car. Yep. That's what he wants to do, which is fine. And honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm glad it went to him. He and Jeremy and I all discussed this kind of ad nauseum for a little while, trying to figure out the best plan for the car, uh, because all three of us have the same vision for the car, and all three of us want to see the car stay in our circle. You know, uh, to to quote Vin Diesel in in Fast and the Furious, no family, don't do it, don't do it, <laughs> too late, you're fired. It's gonna, it's gonna stay in the family. This podcast it's, is over. All, I'm hitting stop right the, now. It's all about the, actually, stop Andrew. The only saying. reason I brought. The only reason I brought that joke up is because in the Auto Off Topic Discord earlier, you brought that joke up and you gave like three or four gifts related to it. So listen, you brought that you brought that on us. Listen, don't spoil the Discord. You gotta go join. Well, I'm teasing the Discord. It's called advertising, Andrew. I'm teasing it. The kind of thing you'll see is Andrew posting family memes with Vin Diesel. So anyway, uh, it, we don't normally see that. It was a special circumstance. But anyway, so it, it is staying within the uh, the New England DSM kind of family, right? It's a circle of community. three of us. Yeah, the community. It's the right community. It's 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 the circle of the three of us that have owned the car now. Um, all three of us kind of have a an unofficial pact that if it gets sold again. First right of refusal goes to Jeremy and I, you know, to kind of keep again the car in that same community and knowing we all have the same vision for the car. It just unfortunately doesn't make any sense for me to try any harder to get it. You know, one thing that's taught me is that, so one thing that working on the Colt, the 74 Colt has taught me is that it's very difficult to fix a car when you go 3,000 miles away. You only have so much time when you go there and nothing works out according to plan. You always need one more part and you're only there for four days and the part's four to, four to five days away. So unfortunately, it's just not going to happen. It's too big of a project for me to take on from across the country. And it would cost, like I said, three grand to get it here and even more than that to pay somebody to put it back together. So it's, it's in a good place. It will be taken care of. Uh, I'm 
excited to go visit it. Uh, I can't wait to see it next time I'm in the New England area. I like to stop by Brad's house and, and check it out. I plan on stopping by his house anyway to see his new garage and meet his new baby. But now I can also see my Gallant when I do that. So the Gallant is gone. RIP the Gallant. It's been around since almost the beginning of the podcast. And it's no longer with us. So rest in peace. Not actually. It's actually better than rest in peace because it's actually being put back together. So I don't know what the slogan for that is. But a new a new upcoming, a new uprise for the Gallant is happening. And uh, I... I couldn't be happier about it, ultimately. So, that being said, the Gallant, I think, was an anchor point for me as well. I think it was also holding me back because it was one more car in the list of things that needed to be done. So, after having that conversation about the Gallant, the Eclipse, next project care update, is soft on the market. I'm not in any rush to sell it. If anybody that listens to this podcast is interested, they can hit me up and talk to me about it. Uh, I am talking to one listener slash very good friend about it as well already. Um, not sure what his decision is, but he has first, he has second right of refusal. First right of refusal went to the person who I bought it from, uh, and he turned it down at this moment in time. So I, there is somebody who may possibly be buying the car, but it's not a definite thing at all. I don't make sure he's not pressured because the car is not actually 100% for sale, but it is on the market. Um, it's on the unadvertised market. It's on the if you know, you know market, right? So, and there is a fairly low podcast friend price point going around. Uh, that's also going to be at a loss at the end of the day, but I want to see the car stay at a good house, a good home as well. I think last time we talked about the Eclipse, though, was it still broken? It was. I think it was. So, if you're thinking about, Brad, you said nobody that listens to this podcast would ever buy the Eclipse. Well, guess what? The Eclipse is fixed. Do you remember back in the beginning of the repair, the first thing I did? I do. Okay. So the car was not making spark, right? So it was not. I, I said, well, the easiest and cheapest thing to replace is the igniter module. So I bought an igniter module for the car. It was an aftermarket one because the local Mitsubishi dealer is a pain in the butt with their hours, and I can never get there while they're open. So I purchased an aftermarket one from Rock Auto or wherever, and I put it in the car. And it did not make the car run any better. Actually, it did not make the car start. Because <laughs> the problem was the car would no start. So obviously we've listened to all these podcasts in the past. It got to the point where I had the uh, cam angle sensor wound up being the ultimate problem. So that has been replaced and the car runs. But I was still having that sputtering problem. Where the car would run fine, I thought. And every now and again it would just pit, pit, pit. And just almost like it was having some kind of a fuel cut or ignition cut or something randomly under a steady throttle. Super annoying, and we tried everything, and we couldn't figure it out, even replaced another CAS. I thought that fixed it, and then it turned out it didn't. I replaced plugs again, just I went through everything. I kind of had this weird epiphany a few days later where I was like, huh, 
The only thing that's left, oh, and, and the ECU I had sent out and remanufactured, and that didn't fix anything. So I said, all right, well, I have this initial ignition module or igniter module that I took out of the car on the first day the car wouldn't start. Let me swap back to this one and see what happens. So I swapped back into the igniter module that was the initial one from when I first brought the car. I don't know if it's original or aftermarket or what. I think it's actually also aftermarket because it does not have an MD number on it. But I put it in, took the car out for a ride, did about a 30 mile test loop, never had a problem. Drove the car to and from work for five days, never had a problem. I've done now just over 200 miles in the car on that igniter and has not sputtered once. And before it would sputter, you know, every six to 10 miles. So I think, and the car seems to run much better. So my theory is the car is now fixed. No more Sounds problems. Sounds like it. Yeah. I mean, I'm super happy. The car is running great. It's actually running better than it ever has. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that that ECU was pretty pretty messed up looking. The CAS, who knows how long it's been like on the fritz. And I never timed the car in the past. I'm sure it was timed before I got it, but it may have been timed with bad parts. And now that it has all these good parts in it, I mean, I'm going to have to time it one more time, I think, because after changing that igniter, it seems to have a little bit of, it's a little sluggish under uh, down low. And I think it might be something to do with the timing, so I might have to play with that a little bit more. I haven't yet. But the car seems to be running better than it's ever run before. It's still getting, you know, averaging 29, 30 miles a gallon. And it's it's an excellent car again. So I, uh, I, I'm so happy to call that done. It was such a frustrating, like, month and a half of trying to get it done. And finally, finally it's done. So... Always check the simple stuff, I guess, right? Always go back and revisit the aftermarket parts that you replaced because they're aftermarket. So, final, final project car update from here in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, what do you got? Is the 944. Uh, Not a very big project car update. I did some more detailing on the car. This car just gets nicer and nicer all the time. You had given me some crap while you were out here when we were looking at the timing belt of how dirty the engine bay was on that Eclipse, but I haven't got to that yet. It looked awful. It looks terrible, but I never even gave it much thought because I was doing other things to the car and the other cars, and it's just how I got the car. I cleaned up the outside. Nobody sees under the hood but me, usually. I always clean my engine bays. Well, I don't often clean my engine bays. Because then when you so. go to work on stuff, inevitably, it's a little bit less dirty for you. Yeah, no. So I spent about four and a half hours in the driveway with a bottle of uh, current favorite, current favorite detail companies degreaser spray. Uh, it's um, Chemical Guys Orange something. It's just their orange degreaser. It's in a typical Chemical Guys style pump pump bottle. Used a bunch of that. I had brushes of different bristle strengths. And finally, a couple of rags and a toothbrush to get in some of the finer spots. I found that the toothbrush worked really well, actually, in, like, the seam sealer because the dirt would sit in, like, the the seam. That's not the seams, but the strokes in the seam sealer. 
and the toothbrush would get in there and just kind of. Oh, you went to like the other extreme from not cleaning it to using a toothbrush. Yeah, I didn't use a toothbrush to make it like super, super detailed. I just did it on like, like I said, in like the seam sealer and in the corners because you can't get the the gunk out of where the like a 90 degree corner in the sheet metal with any other oh, brushes. I, I just use like purple power and a pressure washer. I didn't want to use a pressure washer just because I was afraid of getting things too wet. You know, getting water inside things I didn't want it in. And also, this car was incredibly dirty under the hood. You know, it was a desert car for a long time. It was covered in grease. And then what stuck, sticks to grease in the desert is sand. So it wasn't it wasn't a simple thing. Like, once once it's clean, you don't have to go to the extreme with a toothbrush and stuff. But it, it just took a little bit because it, you know, hasn't been cleaned in quite some time. So now it's now it's all fresh and nice under there. And uh, I'm, I'm happy looking at it. And I was actually nervous that I was going to wake up today and go outside and look at it. And I was going to kind of have, you know, when things dry, they kind of die back. And it looks kind of bland. But I opened the hood this morning because I knew it checked the oil before I drove it. And it still looks almost new under there. It looks really good, actually. <laughs> the car cleaned up really nice. I did post pictures of it on the Auto Off Topic Instagram page. So if you're curious, you can check it out there. I'll probably post it on my page as well, just because I'm proud of it. No, I'm able to see it. <laughs> so that's the final project car update there. I think that that car is going to be making the trip to Radwood, LA in a few weeks. So need to make sure it's nice and presentable to bring it back to its, bring it back to its roots. I think it debuted there when it was the Radwood car. So it did. It'd be neat to see it back there. Minus the livery and, with a little extra extra love thrown at it. So, yeah, it's good stuff. But that's it for Project Car Updates around here. Anything else over there? No, that's all we got. Excellent. Jim kind of drops Jim tomorrow, kinda, said. Oh, yeah. The, uh, so the new Ken Block electric uh, Jim Gana, which... Wait, so, like... Now I'm confused. Is it who gets to keep the Gymkhana name then? Because well, I, I think Hoonigan he... owns the name for what they use it for. Do you know what the name Gymkhana comes from? Yeah. Okay. Fine. I do. I won't tell you. It's like um, it's like fancy autocross. Uh, no, actually, it predates even that. What? Okay. Gymkhana comes from the equestrian world. Oh, I think we so, yes, we covered this one time. Did we? The first we the did. first Gymkhanas were were horses going around barrels. Like so a, it was like um, horse cross. No, but there's a name for that. Uh Gymkhana. <laughs> yeah, but it's there's another name for it too. It's not Well, like in, in the United in the United States they do they do barrel racing. Yeah, it's called barrel racing, but Gymkhana is a British so yeah. they, 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 in order to do a proper gymkhana on a horse, you ride, um, you ride your horse in, in, a, in a certain style. They call it riding English, and you have to run around this course, which is barrels, and you do you know, a certain pattern around the barrels to make your gymkhana. So, and yeah. then it turned to vehicles, and it started in England with gymkhanas that were using barrels, and obviously it's turned into 
more of the autocross style with cones because people are tired of damaging the car and metal barrels, I'm sure. But if, if you watch a proper British Gymkhana, they'll run up, they'll drive up to a barrel and they'll do a donut around it. Whereas an autocross is more of a race course laid out with cones. It's a little bit right. more of a, it's a little bit more like stunt driving almost than a, in a proper Gymkhana. But yeah, it comes from the equestrian world. I don't know if we talked about it before. We've been doing this for quite some years, so maybe we have, but. So I don't, I don't think that they own the, they don't own the word Gymkhana, but they probably have rights to it for using it as this kind of video content. So it's the first videos that came out were close to a proper Gymkhana because he was doing donuts around barrels and precision driving versus the more, more recent ones, which are just how big, how far can the car jump and how long can it drift for? (laughs) So it's definitely confusing though, because he said he was handing off all Gymkhana to Travis Pastrana, right? That was the whole thing. And now here he is back again doing it with a new car. The most expensive Gymkhana car yet too. Yeah. I don't really care. I'll watch it. (laughs) I don't care what they said they were going to do. Just just keep doing the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. Just keep jumping cars and doing cool stunts and I'll watch it every time. I promise. It definitely sounds cool because the instant torque, but, um, Von Gittin Jr. did it first with the Mach-E, the race I was going to say, we already have kind of an idea of what it will look like based on the Mach-E one with, yeah. the, with Gittin, yep. And I think, I mean, high-performance electric cars sound really cool, actually. Yeah, they do. Because they they're do. not comes, quiet goes, at all. goes back to our youth of playing with electric RC cars. Yeah, <laughs> they're super loud, whiny motors. And you hear all the other stuff, too. Like you, Because of the way the cars are, when they're off throttle, you hear... You know, tire scrub, and there's 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 some interesting components to it. Like I said, I think it's well well documented that neither of us is anti electric car. We just like to have our gas cars too. <laughs> so um, I'm excited to watch it. It starts by the time this podcast is out, it will have already debuted. So you'll be able to stop listening to us and go go watch that. It should be should be good. It should be entertaining. Mm-hmm. I have one more car I want to talk about. Okay. Um. I don't know if you've paid too much attention to it. Have you seen the Cadillac Celestique? Kind of a station it. wagon looking thing. Thought it was ugly. Kept on scrolling. So the front of it is ugly. I'm not going to lie. I don't like the front of it. The overall style of the car is very neat. Uh, it's the first production car, I think, to have... Uh, uh, it's not production car yet, but they're talking about like 23-inch factory wheels. Ridiculous. Um, it's it's a neat looking wagon kind of concept, which apparently is going to be the production car because supposedly goes into production like in December, which is weird that it'll go from concept to production that fast. But it is what it is in this new world we're living in here, I guess. But I'm confused by a few things, and I have one thing I like about it. GM is going pretty hard with electric cars right now, right? They got us the Hummer EV. They got a Silverado EV coming out now. They have a Cadillac Lyric, I think, is electric already as well. And now they have this Celestique. So being as you haven't paid too much attention to it, have you seen the list price for the Cadillac Celestique? Nope. Okay. So where would you think a full electric Cadillac would come in price-wise? I have no idea. $100,000? No. 
So it's going to be over $300,000. Excuse me, what? Yes. So this is my my interesting thing. So GM seems to be going hard with electric stuff, and they're going like total extreme upmarket expensive cars. They came out with the Bolt early on, but that was it. And now everything else has just been like these like super high-end expensive vehicles. So this Cadillac Celestique is going to be $300,000. The only reason I'm okay with this is they're trying to reestablish themselves as the old Cadillac from, you know, the 1920s and 30s. The Cadillac of cars? The standard of the world. That's what they're trying to reestablish themselves as with the electric vehicle market. They're trying to make Cadillac a thing that people, you know, seek to attain one day, which is what it used to be. Cadillac used to be like, you know, what, what was the, the plan was you started with a Chevy and then you got a Buick, then you got a Pontiac, then you got a Cadillac. So they're trying to bring back that standard of the world and the best car you can buy is in the Rolls of Bentley, you know, it's a Cadillac. And supposedly, this car is also going to be completely hand-built, like Bentley or a Rolls-Royce. With its own separate production area, nothing to do with production cars. I think they're building three or four hundred of them, and they're all they're all spoken for already. So, it's interesting to me that they're doing that. I bet even at $300,000, if they're only making... You know, a few hundred of them, they're probably going to lose lose money on them. But they're really shooting to, like, get that whole image back they used to have. So, I, I'm kind of into it for that. You know, it's kind of like an American exceptionalism kind of thing. Like, hey, we used to build these really great cars. Let's get back to it. And I'm sure there'll be some trickle-down stuff from a $300,000 car eventually into a car that you could potentially think about buying so the specs are neat it's supposed to be like 600 horsepower 300 miles of range you know I, I I'm I'm interested simply because of that fact that they were like you know what forget it let's just go ridiculous let's make something that's super elite and only a few people can buy it but let's make ourselves back to what we used to be and i'm not into super luxury cars or super rich people things but i think it's kind of cool that cadillac is taking a shot you know and maybe it'll work maybe it won't maybe there'll be a bunch of these on cargurus.com in three years for 35 grand who knows that's the problem with rolls and bentleys anyway right bottom falls out of them once they drop out of warranty so I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm interested in it. It's pretty neat. Much like every other luxury car or electric car that GM is producing, it's super inefficient for a car that's supposed to be promoting efficiency. It's giant, huge station wagon with four seats. So that's that's pretty dumb. But I don't know. It, it reminds me of like a coach body Cadillac from the 20s or 30s, and I'm I'm kind of here for it. I'm kind of here for it. So maybe do a little bit of looking into it and maybe have a second opinion later on. <laughs> no, because I hate how much it looks. How much it looks? I don't like how much it looks. What does that even mean? I don't know huh? what I'm saying. I don't how know. How much it looks? <laughs> how much it looks like what? <laughs> you don't like how it yeah. looks? Yeah. 
don't know. Here. I, I I think it's <laughs> I, I think it's interesting. That's all I'm gonna say. But whether or not it's saying it's ugly. Yeah. How much it, it looks interesting styling. Bad. So ugly. <laughs> I think the front end is not great, but I think that the the rear the three quarter view the rear end, the hatchback the three style. Quarter, it's gross. Oh, all right. Well, we can agree to disagree on that one, I guess. But yeah, I, I just think it's neat because Rolls Royce Cadillac used to be a legitimate Rolls competitor back in the day, and it'd be cool to see them be able to do it again. Is this car going to do it? Who knows. I kind of dig it. Who on earth is so, buying a Rolls Royce right now? Are they yeah. even good cars? I don't know lots, anything about them. Lots, lots of people still are. It's a waiting list. I guess. Yeah. Sure. If you have so much money that you can buy a $300,000 plus car, reliability doesn't matter. Resale value doesn't matter. You're just buying the image anyway. So that's why these cars exist. They build, they build this car that's like the best, greatest of all these things. And the best and greatest doesn't mean it runs forever. It just means it has the nicest seats. And it has the most, the most stars in its starlight headliner or something like that. So, whatever. It's totally outside of our norm. I just, I found it interesting. And anytime an American brand is, you know, shooting for the moon like this, I'm going to give them a, hey, let's go. Let's try this. So, it's interesting. That's all I can say. I don't want one. I don't particularly love it. But I like it more than you, and uh, I wish for its success, and I hope it is better than a Rolls or a Bentley. Hey, if, if if Kia and Hyundai can make a luxury car that's as good or better than a BMW or Mercedes, then why can't Cadillac compete with Rolls Royce, right? Sure. Anyway, what events get coming up today, this week, next week? When's the episode come out this weekend? Uh, nothing, because it's uh, after the season now. That's true. It's Halloween coming up this weekend, too. Yeah, that's it. What do you get coming up? Uh, so this weekend, Saturday, is the Cars and Coffee Auto Car Club. I have never been to that one. It should be interesting. I know some higher-end stuff there, but it'll be just a different a different thing to do on a Saturday morning that I haven't done yet, so I'll be there with some other uh, friends of the show. And then I leave Monday for SEBA. Ooh. Yeah. So I had confirmation today that we'll be doing some stuff with uh, Shelby American and we'll be doing like an after party dinner with those guys at their Shelby American place. So I'm sure they have all kinds of neat stuff to see there. We have some stuff happening with Meguiar's. Um, It'll be fun. It'll be fun. There's more stuff. interesting. Yeah, the more stuff is coming as well, it seems. But um, this is obviously through my day job they're sending us there um and there's a pr firm that works with us that's getting us some extra inside insight to some places i guess which i don't know anything about that stuff it's outside of my my whole thing but once uh, once i go there one of my jobs while i'm there is to create some video content uh well not create video content but be the on-camera guy for some video content so we'll see how that works out but hmm I'll push some of that through through here as well. And who knows, maybe it'll give me the confidence to do some more video content here. So should. Just don't know how to do the whole setup of everything here at my house. So anyway. Yeah, that's that's my uh my upcoming upcoming week. So hopefully cool. by next uh next week we'll have 
Uh, no, not next week. Week after, we'll have some SEMA stuff to talk about. Yeah, week after. One, one more episode between. All right. So, uh, yeah. Ask us for a Discord invite. Yes, please. Did a couple more people join this week. I think we're, uh, yeah, we had another four or five join this week. It was pretty it's, good. Uh, it's popping off. Yeah. My father has broken his silence. He joined like a week and a half ago and made his first post today. Very proud of you, Dad. Thanks for joining. It's a good mixture of people. A lot of like-minded folks, so yep. some good card content in there. If you like rally stuff, a lot of rally people. Yep. Yeah. Actually, speaking of rally, we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, mention the fact that uh, Jordan co-drove. I think he was co-driving, correct? Yeah. In the rally sprint this past weekend, and uh, they won first place in rear-wheel drive. Or two-wheel drive. Two-wheel drive? Two-wheel drive. drive. It's a front-wheel drive Mark III. Yep. Um, anyway, congratulations to them. And congratulations to Andy for finishing in his golf. His first rally sprint. Yep, and he is fully addicted. Yeah. We'll actually have to have him come on and tell a story of driving his rally car. Yeah, and uh, if you're in the Discord, you know that he's getting progress on a former Brad car, the Starion. Yeah, the Barney Starion is uh, all together. I don't know if it runs here. I don't think so. It hasn't he started switch. yet, I don't think. But, yeah, he had to uh, switch gears to the to the rally car to get ready for the sprint. But I think that's uh, his next thing to get that car started and running. And it sounds like that maybe moved on to another rally guy. We'll see. Oh, okay. Potentially. All maybe. right. Yeah. So, yeah, come join our Discord. Follow us on uh, Instagram, Out Off Topic. Follow me on Instagram, Raced in Anger. Uh, I'm also on Twitter, Raced in Anger, and Out Off Topics on Twitter. We've got Scale Autocast. I promised. I promised we were going to do something. Eh, stop promising. Um, we'll get to it when we get to it. Life's been so busy, it's hard enough to record one episode a week. So it is what it is. It's We have we have the, the Instagram page. We can post you know pictures up there, and we do. So follow that at least. And if we get more and content, we have a Discord channel for Scale Auto stuff we do so and i just made a new one for motorcycles so we got ones for like scale cars motorcycles you can show us your pets you can show us your project cars uh you can give us corrections um yeah we're open to anything and everything pretty much car related so Mm -hmm. there's no no religion no politics just cars yep the way we like it Brad, where can people find you? So they can find me, as always, at TSISS350 on Instagram. That's All right, it. cool. So, as always, keep cars analog and aim for the roses. Yeah.